we'll celebrate the Lord and have a little bit of business, but more than anything, it's going to be it's a time for us to uh, get together and fulfill our bylaws and celebrate what the Lord's done in the last year and celebrate what He's going to do. And then uh, we'll have right after the meeting, we'll have a potluck right next door. So uh, make sure and bring enough for um, a y- enough for you and one more. So um, that way there'll be plenty of food and we'll um, we'll just have a good time and, and celebrate together. Um, and one other thing, just I want to. This is more of kind of a, um, a toss it out to you, and just we're we're kind of taking a poll, if you will. Um, uh, Victor, uh, which who most of you all met when the mission team was here, is uh, looking at doing a uh, New York City uh, mission. Um, it's about a week. It's like uh, December the twenty eighth through January the second um, at Nisum. Um, and for us, it wouldn't be nearly as much because we could just drive down. Uh, but we'd stay at Nysum and um, do some, it'd mainly be ministry to the um, homeless uh, group there, doing a little bit of touring and seeing the uh, sights of New York City at Christmas time. Uh, but uh, he's just trying to see what the interest level would be. And I said, you know what? I want to see who all would be interested from, from our area, especially since. Like I said, for us, we could even carpool down and, and find a place to park. And so would, would the cost would be a lot less than people coming up from um, you know, Oklahoma um, or Arkansas area. So if you would like to, like I said, I don't know prices. I don't know anything. So this isn't signing your name in blood and saying, I'm going to be there for sure. Count me in. I've, I'm filling up my tank with gas. Okay. But if, if that's something that would interest you and say, yeah, I'd like to just find out more information uh, on going down there, spending about a week uh, staying in Ni- at the Nysum. Lo- Ni- Nysum is uh, New York um, School of Urban Ministry. Did I get it right? And uh, they're, they're great people. We met a couple of them. And um, uh, they do a lot of ministry. They have a food truck now that they take hot meals um, to, the, to the homeless, and, uh, and as well as some other you know, um, necessary items. So it's probably most of the things that we'd be doing is just, uh, you know, giving out meals and and ministering to their needs, uh, spiritual needs as well as physical needs, and just showing them that they're loved and cared about, which is huge. Um, So, and so gentlemen, before we go any further, can I get uh, you guys to come? We'll um, bless and take the offering. Rejoice that the Lord is what he's given to us and for us. Lord, thank you so much for uh, providing for all of our needs, uh, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Lord, we get to give back. We get to uh, give back joyfully uh, just a little bit of what you've supplied all of. So thank you so much. I pray you bless the gift and the giver. And Lord, as we move on in the service and, and hear your word, Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear not from not from a preacher, but to hear from you, hear from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And speaking of Nysim, Karis is going to share a little bit before I preach on um, what um, she kind of got out of the mission trip, what the Lord did in her. Can you just over here? Not necessarily. Okay, I'll let you do it.
Is this one really not on? It's on. I was just picking on you, Dad. <laughs> 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 so, all of you know, um, a few weeks ago that Kaylin and I went on a missions trip. First, the missions team came here, and a lot of you were there at some of the different events, um, church on Sunday. But Kaylin and I went on to New York City and also ministered there. And I went into the trip with no expectations. I had no clue what it was going to be like. I didn't know what God was going to do. So I just said, whatever. <laughs> I just was like, whatever God does, he does. I'm not expecting one thing in particular. And that actually really helped me in the course of the trip because God could <coughs> do what he wanted to do in my life without me saying, oh, this is what I'm expecting him to do. <laughs> um, and through that, God really, he worked in my life for healing, encountering him, and preparing for the work he has for me in the future. It's kind of like a college prep trip. That's what I called it. Um, so it started with church on Sunday. And when we were, you all were here, and after the service, there's a really powerful time of prayer. And God really worked in my heart and started showing me what he was going to start doing through the trip. I really, I felt his presence. That's all I can say about that time. Move forward and for the performances um, at the Camp Meeting Association and um, when we went up to Oliver's up um, Wyndham and I really started these little things. I'd be praying for someone and God would drop a word into my heart. Or I would see someone and I'd say, oh, I need to go talk to them. Just little things. And God really started showing me, okay, I'm actually working in your life. Because prior to that, I hadn't seen a lot of the effects of his working. I had known that he was there. I would learned to trust him, but I hadn't seen a lot of. So God really started working and showing me, okay, I'm going to start using you more than you thought. So when we got to New York, I started really working in prayer. God started, the first night we were there, we were outside of Madison Square Garden in Penn Station. And I was just praying. But more like a silent kind of prayer. And God gave me a vision. And it was the first time that it ever happened to me. God was really, he was starting to say, okay, I'm taking you deeper. Taking you deeper. But all this was preparation for the last day of the trip. When we were, we went to Staten Island, and we went to a place that was the gates of evil in that area. And they had prepared us ahead, and they had told us that's where we were going. We were spiritually attacked while we were there. But I was prepared in the course of the trip. God prepared me to pray, and just to be able to speak into that situation and so throughout that time we were there, I was just fighting and praying protection and against the forces of evil in the area. And I felt, in the spiritual realm, I felt God start to move and things start to change in that area. One of the most interesting things that happened was um, during both of the, we performed twice there, during both performances, people were starting to get hurt never gotten hurt but people were getting hurt 
um, like when they fell or whatever, and we recognized that was the devil trying to stop us. So during the second performance, I was doing my dance as a cat, you know, and I come in and I do a cartwheel into a split. Right before that, I heard God say, you're going to get hurt if you do the cartwheel. I just, very clearly. I went ahead and did it because it was part of my um, choreography, and I stepped on my hand and scraped it up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I kept dancing, and I kept on with the choreography, and I kept praying. I did not stop praying the entire time. A couple minutes later, I looked down, and my hand was completely healed. God was working, even though the devil tried to attack, God was working in that situation. And he was saying, I'm still here, I'm fighting with you. So through, throughout my trip, I really learned that God will prepare you for what you're going to face. He's not going to just put you in a situation and say, have at it. <laughs> he will prepare you for what you're going to face, like he did for me. I also became, he showed me a new area of ministry, prayer, and started preparing me not just during the trip, but the trip prepared me for something bigger as I go to college. So I want to thank you all for your prayers during the trip and for your support, because God worked in my Thank you, Karis. Wait, am I on? I pushed the button. If you would find Nehemiah uh, in, in, the, in your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter number 8. It comes right after Ezra, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Chapter 8, Nehemiah 8. everybody just a minute to get there. Alright, I am, um, you know, as I was preparing for this message, a story that I'd heard years and years ago uh, came to mind, so I, I, I found it online, and if you just uh, listen to this to begin with. Uh, this, this is by Francie uh, Baltazar Schwartz. So Jerry was the kind of guy you loved to hate. He was always in a good mood and always had something positive to say. When someone would ask him how he was doing, he would reply, if I were any better, I'd be twins. He was a, uni a unique manager because he had several waiters. He was in the restaurant industry. He had several waiters who had followed him around, <clears throat> followed him around from restaurant to restaurant. The reason the waiters followed Jerry was because of his attitude. He was a natural motivator. If an employee was having a bad day, Jerry was there telling the employee how to look on the positive side of the situation. 
seeing this style really made me curious. So one day I went up to Jerry and asked him, I, I, I don't get it. You can't be po a positive person all of the time. How do you do it? Jerry replied, each morning I wake up and say to myself, Jerry, you have two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood or you can choose to be in a bad mood. I choose to be in a good mood. Each time something bad happens, I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to learn from it. I choose to learn from it. Every time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining or I can point out the positive side of life. I choose the positive side of life. Yeah, right. It's not that easy, I protested. Yes, it is, Jerry said. Life is all about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. You choose how you react to situations. You choose how people will affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line, it's your choice how you live life. I reflected on what Jerry said. Soon thereafter, I left the restaurant industry to start my own business. We lost touch, but often thought about him when I made a choice about life instead of reacting to it. Several years later, I heard that Jerry did something you're, you're never supposed to do in the restaurant business. He left the back door open one morning and was held up at gunpoint by three armed robbers. While trying to open the safe, his hand, shaking from nervousness, slipped off the combination. The robbers panicked and shot him. Luckily, Jerry was found relatively, qui relatively quickly and rushed to the local trauma center. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Jerry was released from the hospital with fragments of the bullets still in his body. I saw Jerry about six months after the accident. When I asked him how he was, how he, was he replied, If I were any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> Want to see my scars? <laughs> I declined to see his wounds, but did ask him, what, it, what, it, he had, what had gone through his mind uh, as the robbery took place. He said that the first thing that went through my mind was that I should have locked the back door. Then, as I lay on the floor, I remembered that I had two choices. I could choose to live, or I could choose to die. I chose to live. Weren't you scared? Did you lose consciousness? I asked, I asked and Jerry continued. The paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the emergency room and I saw the expressions on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. In their eyes I read, he's a dead man. I knew I needed to take action. What'd you do, I asked. Well, there was a big burly nurse shouting questions at me, said Jerry. She asked if I was allergic to anything. Yes, I replied. The doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for my reply. I took a deep breath and yelled, Bullets! <laughs> Over their laughter, I told them, I'm choosing to live. Operate on me as if I'm alive, not dead. Jerry lived thanks to the skill of his doctors, but also because of his amazing attitude. I learned from him that every day we have the choice to live fully. Attitude, after all, is everything. When we are looking at Nehemiah, what we're going to find is that people had a choice in how they reacted. And they reacted the wrong way. Now, they reacted properly 
in a different circumstance, but not how they're supposed to act in that circumstance. And I believe that what we're going to find today is that um, the, we need to have the right attitude in the right time. The right attitude in the right time. Not that the attitudes, either one of their attitudes were wrong, but it was just the timing that, was, that needed to be different. So we need to have the right attitude in the right time. As I mentioned last week, you know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes. Um, he uh, was made aware that the walls of Jerusalem had not been rebuilt. And this was about 100 years after the Jews were released to go back to Jerusalem from, from their Babylonian captivity. And uh, he, what it says is that the wall, he had heard that the wall, the uh, gates were burned. Don't know exactly what that was. If it was a, a recent experience that, you know, that maybe people had tried to start building or, but uh, the gates had been burned and the walls were, were down and so the city was, uh, was unprotected. And he was grieving over this and grieving over the sin of the, of the people of Judah. And, and so he went to the king because he, he was the king's cupbearer, which was a very trusted position. Uh, if anybody could poison the king, it was uh, Nehemiah, right? Because he, he always had the, the cup. He was trying the, trying the wine before the king got it and tasted the food. So he was in a very trusted position. And uh, he was close enough to the king that the king looked at him one day and said, you're sad. I've never seen you sad like this before. What's wrong? And he said, I'm grieving for my people. Um, I, I would like to go and to help them uh, build the wall around Jerusalem. So he gave him permission to go and uh, went and surveyed the situation, uh, garnered support um, from the people that were there, kind of took control, if, if you will, and... Um, they were they were heckled, they were it was tried to be prevented for them to, to build. So it says, even at one point they, they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. You know they were um, some people would be watching out and some people would be working on the wall all the time because uh, they wanted to make sure that this wall was finished and accomplished, and and they did, they did in a, in a very short amount of time, and. After it was done, Nehemiah brought everyone together. And this was Nehemiah and Ezra. Ezra was uh, the scribe. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah uh, were uh, one book, and we separated them over time, but it was initially it was uh, one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, if you look in, in verse 9 of chapter 8, it says, then, then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, this is verse 9 of chapter 8, um, uh, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to your Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been made known to them. So they, when they heard the words of the law, the, the people, um, uh, Ezra uh, read, uh, you know, I, I uh, actually should have started earlier. Ezra, this is verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. 
for he was standing above the people. He, he was up on a dais. Ezra blessed the people, um, blessed the Lord, the God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. They bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Uh, verse 8, they read from the book from the law of God, translating to give the sense of, of, so that they could understand the reading. Okay, so the law had been given. The people were all standing around. Uh, it was read, and actually what it looks like is if they had people, it said they were translating it for them. Uh, or they don't know if it was translation as in they were reading it in Hebrew and they needed to translate to Aramaic, or that they were giving them teaching to go along, you know, say, this is what this means. This is, this is how to go about. This is, this is what uh, the law is saying. But they had people that were going and, and teaching the people at the same time as the law was read. And the, so they, they heard the law, and all of a sudden the people are grieved. They're brokenhearted because they realize what God had been telling them to do, and they had not done it. Not only them, but their fathers in the faith. They realized that, that the law had gone forth and that they, were, they had been sent to Babylon because they had broken the law of God. They, they had had idols and they had not followed what God had said. And they had, they, had not, um, they had not followed everything completely. And so God sent them to Babylon. And here the people are brokenhearted and having a good response, right? Being grieved. Because they're hearing the law of the Lord. By the way, anybody here um, read the Bible and you get grieved? You, 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 you really feel like you need to repent? Can, can I just say, we should all have that reaction more. I'm guilty as everybody. You know, I read through and, and I don't oftentimes get to a point that I go, boy, that hurt. You know? But we should. We should because God is holy, 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 and he's given a holy book that shows us how we should live. And uh, we often don't do it. And we should have the same reaction. But you notice they were having the wrong reaction, good reaction, but the wrong time. And they said, no, don't be grieved. This is not the time to be grieved. And as, as I pointed out last week, this was um, uh, at, at the time of Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets. It's uh, the, the Jewish um, festivals are a little bit different. If, if you notice, um, so Rosh Hashanah is, is head or top of the year, okay? Uh, so this is this is the first of the of the year, which happens on the first of the seventh month. Go figure. I I can't I can't figure it out. They 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 have different. It's basically the first part of the agricultural season. Okay. They have kind of a a civil calendar. They have an agricultural calendar. They have a, a liturgical calendar. So um, for one of the calendars, this is the top of the year. Okay, it's, the, it's kind of the agricultural calendar. It's the, it's the first of the year that you celebrate. Okay, so it, it is supposed to be a celebratory feast. It's supposed to be a time of celebration to the Lord. It's supposed to be the time when the trumpets sound and you, they give glory and praise to God. They share their food. 
they go out and, and, and realize, and I, I, this is the scripture that people um, grasp hold on uh, so many times, it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. Which, by the, by the way, I, I had a friend years ago, it stuck with me since high, I was in high school. Um, he, he, would, he would say often, he said, if, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal anything. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal anything. So guard that joy. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. But they're, they're, they're celebrating this time here for the Feast of Trumpets. And it's supposed to be a time of great celebration. However, what, ends up, what they end up doing is um, they get grieved instead. So um, instead, they really should be celebrating the Lord. Now, I, uh, I intentionally brought my mug in today. If you don't know, and you probably do, I like University of Oklahoma football. <laughs> I, am a, I am a fan for the University of Oklahoma football team. And I don't know why in the world we go so crazy about a, um, a leather-bound balloon <laughs> and a bunch of guys that are in tights and, and shoulder pads. <laughs> But can I tell you, when, when the University of Oklahoma is on the field, if I can get it on TV, I'm watching. And if I'm not watching on TV, I've got it, I'm trying to listen to it. And if, there's, if, if all else fails, I record it and I watch it later. Right? I mean, I'm calling my dad. Hey, Dad, did you see that play? You know, we were talking during the game. We're, we're texting back and forth. If, if, if we get a pick six, you know what a pick six is? You know, they, they intercept the ball, and they, they start running back. Let me tell you, I jump up and down, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I am hooting and hollering. I'm jumping up and down. I'm, I'm shaking my fist. I'm saying, go, go. I'm yelling <laughs> for these guys in white tights and shoulder pads <laughs> chasing after a leather-bound balloon. <laughs> but how much do we celebrate the creator of the universe? And I'm talking to myself here, okay? Do we jump up and down for God? Do we, do we run around the room and go crazy? I, I, I go crazy with football. I, 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 I hop up and down. I'll, I'll, I'll jump. I, you know, if, I, if, if it's a close game, I'm walking around. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on my knees praying. <laughs> For these guys, like right? Dad with University of Michigan. Like, I'm like, don't jump though. <laughs> okay? But how much do we do this for, for the creator of all of these things? Do we go crazy when God does something awesome? When we see somebody, you know, get well, do we, do we jump up and down and say, yes, God, you did it. This is when we see somebody, um, you know, get saved, do we, do we run around and do a victory lap? Or do we just go, that was nice. Boy, that was a nice service. When Joe's up here leading worship and, and we're, you're, we're entering into his gates with thanksgiving, do we, do we really? Or do we just 
go through the motions and every once in a while we'll clap or whatever, we'll go get the tambourine just a little bit. Or do we have the enthusiasm when they score that last minute touchdown? You know, and it's close, the end of the game and you jump up and down and you say, they did it, I can't believe they beat Texas again. He's going, no, no. <laughs> right? So let's, are we celebrating the Lord? And are we celebrating him at the right time? We, if you look uh, further, um, the next part, it's the, the Feast of, of Booths. So in between uh, Rosh Hashanah, you've got Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day. Uh, it's the Day of Atonement, which we know that Jesus fulfilled the Day of Atonement by um, taking his, his blood into the Holy of Holies in heaven and offering his blood, saying, Here, here Father, here is, um, here is the blood that uh, will cleanse all of my people. Sukkot is uh, tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. Um, so uh, this verse 13, on the second day, the heads of the father, uh, uh, father's households of all the people, the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches Myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it's written. So the people went out. This is great. They're, they're doing what's commanded, right? This is, this is a good thing. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square of the water gate, in the square of the gate of Ephraim. The entire assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. And there was great rejoicing. Um, so what, it, what it's saying is that they, they celebrated the Feast of, of Booths. They made the booths. But it, it, it had never been this large and this um, well kept. They had done it before. But this was a, um, a going above and beyond. Than what, what had ever been done uh, before. So they continued to read. He read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last day. They celebrated the feast seven days. On the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Now on the 24th day of the month, the sons of Israel assembled with fasting and sackcloth with dirt upon them. Okay, this is chapter 9, verse 2. The descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners, which what they had done is they had taken foreign wives so basically, they sent their foreign wives away. Okay, they um, they purified themselves, and if they had had a foreign wife, they sent them away. While they stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day. For another fourth, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Now, the, um, and so what they what you find what they did is they they confessed um, not only. Their, their sins, they confessed the sins of their fathers as well. Okay? Now notice, this time around, they don't correct them. 
they, they, were, they were actually came to a point in the, in the year where they're supposed to focus on the repentance. And at the end, what they do is they sign a, a covenant together that they're going to keep the law and that they're going to uh, do what's right in the sight of the Lord. They write down all their names and say, okay, this is what, this is what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to follow God from now on. And so it, it's this, um, this revival that under Nehemiah and Ezra that the people, uh, they, they um, got rid of you know, foreign gods, they got rid of the, the foreign women that they had, they had started associating with, and they said, we're going to focus on the Lord, and they repented. They repented for their sins. They fixed some of the problems there, and they repented of the sins of their fathers, Okay, which is what they were supposed to be doing. But, you know, what was really interesting to me is... Um, to me, I, I would think this would be flip-flopped. You repent, you get right, and then you celebrate. Right? You've turned my mourning into dancing. Right? But how God set it up in the liturgical calendar is you celebrate and then you mourn. And I, it made me scratch my head and said, Lord, what in the world are you doing here? Anybody have any of those moments? You go, God, why did you do it this way? And here's, here's what I, I, I believe there's several reasons. One of the, one of the main things, and one, one of the things I think that the Lord wants to work in, in us. Um, number, number one, I believe it's because we need to um, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. All right? Be- before I think we even need to get to repent, we need to make sure we get into the place where we're supposed to be in order to repent. Let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Let's enter into his courts with praise. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's, let's celebrate. But then I think also is that um, there's, we need to have the right attitude at the right time. You see, the um, uh, Jericho, when, they, when the uh, people came into the promised land, Jericho was supposed to be the time that they had the, the burnt offering, the first fruits sacrifice. Okay, I remember it was, the, it was the, the trumpets. It's the Feast of Trumpets. And those trumpets are used for different reasons. Um, you know, there's trumpets that go off when the presence of God comes down on the mountain uh, on Sinai. Um, but all the trumpets went off around Jericho. The walls fell down. And God for Jericho said, look, you can't take anything, right? Burn it all, kill everybody, kill everything. You're not to touch a thing with, with Jericho. It was the first fruits. Um, it all belonged to, to God. That's it, right? But it, it's, they were supposed to celebrate there with, and give God all of the glory and all of the offering. They didn't. But that's what the trumpets, there's there's supposed to be a celebration. But what oftentimes can happen is when you see this great and mighty victory, um, you tend to think, hey, look what I did. That was really good. Boy, Ryan, you did it. had a great sermon today. Did you see the response? 
know, you prayed the right prayer over that person. They got well. How did I pray? How did, what did I do that was right on that prayer? You see, we end up having this, even just a little bit of look at what I did. Even if it's not in front of everybody, it's this, hey, I did something right to make this happen. And so we need to celebrate, but we also need to always keep in mind that's where the repentance comes in. That's where I think the repentance comes, comes right on the, on the heels of the, of the celebration. It's because we always have to keep in mind and keep in front of us that we are not perfect. And it's not about us. And it's not about what we do. And it's not about any of our good works. It's not about how you pray for someone or how you preach or how you get, share the gospel or how you do this or that because God can, God can work through a mute donkey. All right? He doesn't need you. He wants you, right? But he doesn't need your good works. He can do it through anybody, any way he wants to. Right? And I have to remind myself of that. He can preach through a mute donkey. He doesn't need you, right? So we need to always keep in front of us that it's not about us. That's why you know, we, we celebrate what God has done. But we always keep in check and keep in balance that it's that time that we need to um, need to make sure that we're in the right spot. They're always saying, okay, is there anything that I need to repent of? Is there anything that's, that's hard in my heart? Is there anything that I've, that I've done that could offend the Lord? Is there, any, is there something that I have against somebody? Or is there something that you know, I need to go and ask somebody forgiveness for? There's something that, that so we always need to look and see. Not that we are dwelling on the sin, but we're dwelling on the fact that God is holy. And we need to make sure that we're always checking in with him. Lord, is there, any, is there anything that's between you and me that's keeping me from, from getting closer to you? Because when things happen that are good, is a, a lot of times the entrance that we have to something that's bad. Oftentimes we think it's all the bad things that we, and, and bad things, you know, you can get into bad stuff really easily, but oftentimes it's even the things that happen that are good that are an entrance way for us to get into other things. And you see that time and time again with people who um, get into power, whether that's in the church or whether that's in government or whether it's in business, you know, they see so much good things. And I, I had a pastor years ago that said, um, he said that the the anointing on on a man or a woman's life will oftentimes take them to a point that their character cannot sustain them. And so it's the good things that we need to also we need to celebrate, but we need to keep in check and make sure that our hearts are always right in the good. So when the Lord starts moving among us and he, we start seeing, because I'm, I'm I'm we're all praying, we're believing. When we start seeing people come to know the Lord. We start seeing people, um, you know, healed and set free and delivered, and and people walk in here, you know, on crutches and walk out without them. You know, it, it, we need to celebrate that. But at the same time, we need to always keep ourselves in check and say, okay, is there anything, Lord, that I need to repent of? Is there anything that we need to repent of corporately? Is there sins of our fathers that we need to repent of? Now. That should also bring the question, um, and I'm, I'm 
drawing to a close here, but it should bring the question, so where are we now? And I've been, I've been praying about that. I said, okay, Lord, are, are, are we here? Or are we down here? And I've been, we've been focusing a lot on repentance, and as we should. I think it's a good thing. We need to, we need to make sure that we're right. We need to make sure that um, we've repented even fully of the sins of our fathers because that can have a huge impact on where we are. But the Lord was saying to me, You're, you need to be up here. You need to be celebrating more. You need to enter into, into my gates with thanksgiving more. And I want to challenge us. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you do not get into repentance, because that is something we need to do regularly. It's something that I think we'll, we'll have more in the future. But I'm going to challenge us, and especially in the next few weeks, um, let's, let's celebrate the Lord. Let's, you know, let's celebrate him with, with dance. Let's celebrate him with shouts. Let's cel celebrate him with clapping. If, if you've been to a really big football game, mm -hmm. it's loud. I mean, when you've got 80,000 fans all jumping and screaming and yelling at the same time, it's loud. When do we ever have it that loud for Jesus? I want us to. I want us to have the 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 biggest rejoicing party for Jesus that anybody's ever seen. Bigger than a touchdown, bigger than a grand slam. Of course, Boston knows really a lot about that recently. I don't know if you if you saw they. Boston gave up an inside the park grand slam the other night. It was painful to watch. Um, so, but bigger than that is Jesus, right? Are we celebrating enough? Let's let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate him with all we've got, with all the energy we have. If you're, I mean, and I'm talking to me, okay? So you, you can you say, okay, things are. The things are at the pastor. If I am, if I'm celebrating more for the for the for the Sooners than I am for Jesus, something's wrong. I got my priorities a little bit out of whack, and I'm telling you, I've 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 oftentimes celebrated more for OU. Okay, I don't give I don't give them my I don't give them glory, and I don't give them any. Um, but boy, I celebrate. We need to celebrate like we need to celebrate for Jesus in the same level that we celebrate for um, anything else. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to just challenge you. Let's, let's do that. And if, uh, if there's something in us that's keeping us from doing that, and a lot of times it's um, fear of what is somebody else going to think if I do, let's get rid of it. And let's do it anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. Um, I, I heard a preacher years and years ago. I was in high school. And uh, he was about to take up the offering. And uh, he said, you know, if the devil's telling you not to give, he, he said, just say, I'm going to you quit it or I'll double it. <laughs> and he said, that'll put a stop to it. <laughs> if the devil's, devil's telling you, hey, don't do X, Y, and Z, don't jump up and down, don't shout, don't clap, don't run around, don't dance, just tell him, 
quit it or I'll double it. <laughs> and do it anyway. <laughs> so let's let's celebrate the Lord, okay? Let me um, let me pray together, and then as we, uh, uh, like I said, the next few weeks, Joe, let's find some celebra- some celebratory music, all right? And let's just uh, let's have a Holy Ghost party, and see what the Lord does, okay? Let's let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that we get to celebrate you. Lord, there is nothing like you in heaven or upon the earth. Lord, there, you have done awesome things, mighty things, wonderful things, glorious things, Lord. And there is, there is nothing better than you. So, Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray right now that there, if there's anything that is keeping us from celebrating you, in any way, if it's if there's any sin, if there's any fear, if there's any um, what it, what have, whatever it might be, Lord, show us what that is and help us to get uh, get that taken care of, either to um, cast it out or quit it or or repent of it, Lord. But we need to be running up and down your courts and celebrating you with everything, every fiber of our being. So, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do that. And uh, as we do, Lord, I'm asking you to be faithful to your word. I know you, you don't need me to ask you. You are faithful to your word. But, Lord, your word says that you dwell in the midst of the praises of your people. Come be with us. As we celebrate you, come and, and, and be with us and, and uh, send your angels to celebrate. Send your angels to uh, sing with us and to dance with us. Be with us by your Spirit. Let us go into your courts, your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, Lord, as we celebrate and praise and and uh, just wear ourselves out from worship. Lord, um, show up, please, as you said you will. So, Lord, I bless each person here. I bless their, them, their families, Lord, with um, every good and perfect gift, Lord, financial blessing and blessing upon their health and their life and their strength, blessing for travel, Lord, that your grace and your mercy and your love would be upon them. Lord, and Lord, I pray that you'll uh, bring healing to all those who need it. In Jesus' name.